This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. You only need to talk to country-based owners and trainers to realise that the Tab Highway concept has been a runaway winner for Racing New South Wales. The scheme met with some opposition when introduced in 2015, but it wasn't long before the Tab Highways captured the imagination of regional horsemen. Early days, trainers like Matt Dunn, Matt Dale, Danny Williams and Terry Robinson dominated the weekly highways, but now there seems to be a different winning trainer every week. For bush owners, the prize money has been a revelation, while punters love the highways as a betting medium. From a media viewpoint, the highways seem to throw up a good story most weeks. The Tab Highways are a key component of the new face of New South Wales racing. Our special guest is expatriate South African David Payne, who's been training in Sydney for the past 18 years following a stellar career in his home country as a jockey and a trainer. Well, John Camilleri did you another great service when he introduced you to his cousin, John Cordina, who had raced fairway with him. Now, John Cordina has become another one of your long-term, very loyal owners. Now, one genuine mare you trained for him was Gallant Tess, five wins and 11 placings for more than $800,000. She won a Fern Hill, she won a Group 2 Breeders' Classic, she won a Chelmsford Stakes and was around the money in many other good races. Possibly her best run, David, in defeat, was her first crack at the Coolmore Classic, ran fourth. What a good run. That's right. Unfortunately, uh uh, she she had a wide barrier, and she would have been four four five deep the whole way, mm. and she just failed to get up. I think she got beat by a horse of uh, Mother, uh, John Maroney, Eskimo Queen. Uh, yeah, Eskimo Queen beat us. That's okay. right. Yep. Yeah, just uh, that would have been a Group One, but uh, it didn't work out, unfortunately. Yeah, you finished only a length and a half from the winner after covering a furlong extra ground. That's right. Yep. For sure, she was so unlucky that day. John Cordina also raced a horse called Centennial Park with you. And despite having the worst-looking confirmation you'd ever seen, you were able to keep him going for several seasons. You won eight races, 12 placings, and one million in prize money, this horse, Centennial Park. And you achieved this with a veterinary procedure called IRAP. Uh, it's an intra-articular treatment which had to be administered before every race start. A lot of work. Yeah, that's right. He was a, a, a real problem horse leg-wise, but uh, I took advice from the vet and we tried this RAP on him and we used to do his knees and joints uh, the third, Thursday or the Tuesday before he ran. Mm. And uh, to be honest, he retired a very sound horse. He's, he's still running around the paddock. He's never never had a day's problem. So mm. it definitely kept him going. Mm. David, could you explain for us in very simple terms this procedure, IRAP, intra-articular treatment? What does that, it do? That's right. Well, they, they, they draw blood from the horse, you know, out, out of his uh, jugular, mm. and they mix it with some molecules and uh, – 
then they stored in the fridge, and then they inject it into the uh, the, the joint that's giving the, pro- the problem. Mm. And it works as an anti-inflammatory and uh, lubricator. And, and it repairs things, uh, you know, sort of cartilages, etc. So it definitely works. If mm. you've got a problem, or it's, it's worth it. It's expensive, but it works. Is it still used? Yes, still used. And, you know, and if, you, if, if you're going to win a million dollars, it's worth your while. It's about $2,000 mm. for about three treatments. Mm. But uh, it, it, it's worthwhile if, you, if you've got a top or set that, that – giving problems. Well, he covered X's, didn't he? Centennial Park, he was a great definitely, old horse. Definitely. You had another triumph for Australian bloodstock with a horse called Master of Design. Now, Lee Friedman had him initially. He was later sold to Perth where he had one start for one win before going on the market again and nobody wanted him at that stage. Yeah, look, he was a horse with shocking legs and Luke, Mar- Luke Murrell is an astute judge of horses. He must have looked at his form and he he purchased him and he phoned me up. He said, look, I'm going to send you this horse master, master design. He, you know, he, he could be a, a decent horse. And we took him in and he was a real cripple. Mm. And we did the same procedure with him, the R-wrapping him, and he ended up winning a couple of group races for us, a group one and I think a group two. If he I'm did. Mistaken. He yeah. did. He won the yep. Sebring Sprint at Rose Hill. That was a Group 2. And, of course, he won the famous TJ Smith with Craig Williams on board that day. That's correct. And, uh, uh, look, he was a, a, a very good horse. I think that was his last run, and then we retired him. Mm. But uh, after each race, he could hardly walk. He was like a cat on, on a hot tin roof. Mm. He was a poor bloke, was a real cripple. He was a challenge, wasn't he? Yeah, it was a challenge, but, but he was good to us. So, you know, we, we don't mind putting in the extra work with him. No. Well, you and John Cordina reached dizzy heights a few years ago with a son of high chaparral called Ace High. 28 starts, five wins, three seconds, one third, 2.3 million in prize money. He won his maiden at Kembler as a late two-year-old and then in the next preparation... He got the big treble, the gloaming stakes, the spring champion stakes and the Victoria Derby. That's right, yep. He, he, he was a lovely big horse. Uh, I was at the Magic Million sale and I was looking around and I saw this colt. I thought, gee, what a beautiful specimen. Mm. And I took John to have a look at him, John called Cordina, and he liked him, but John, you know, he would never commit. Mm. And uh, anyway... I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'm going to buy him. Any, I'll buy him on spec anyway, and put him together. Mm. So I bought him for one thirty, mm. and when the hammer went down, John came to me. He said, "Who have you bought that horse for?" So I said, "No, I'm going to put him together." He said, "I'll take him off you." So I said, "No, that's fine." <laughs> so so, so yeah. that's how John ended up with the horse. Well, the horse won two point three million. He was ridden in those three big three-year-old races, David, by a horseman for whom you had great regard, Ty England. Yeah, Ty. Uh, I used to, used to ride for me as an apprentice, Ty, and I was very fond of him. And uh, then we had an association with uh, Ace High. Mm. And I think that was his greatest moment when he won the, the uh, Victoria Derby. Because he, he, he told us, he said, this is like a dream come true for him. 
and then unfortunately, as everybody knows, he had that bad accident, and uh, what a great loss to the game. Absolutely, but what a job he's doing in rehabilitation, and he's keeping himself busy, as active as he possibly can, and he's got a million wonderful racing memories to dwell on. That, that's right, yes. The following autumn, um, Ace High went within a thumbnail of a unique Derby double. He was beaten by Lavendi in a desperately close finish in the Australian Derby at Randwick, and they don't come any closer than that one. Yeah, look, they went head and head. I think they were five lengths clear of the third horse, mm. and it was a bob of the head. We were just unfortunate the bob went the other way. But uh, so close, I mean, we, you know, we had to wait for the photo finish. Yeah. Doesn't seem fair, does it? <laughs> uh, no, it would have been nice to have a dead eat. But, but I must say, the boys who beat me, they had lovely chaps, the Gilalatis brothers. Gilagotis family. Yeah, what a lovely family. They so are. you don't mind, you know, getting beat by decent people. Mm. Now, Dave, Ace High went for a spell after that Australian derby and he was destined to race 11 more times. Um, he only won one. It was a group two, the Hill Stakes, before going to stud. But he, he tried so hard in all of those three-year-old classics, it may have taken a little out of him. I, I think so. He was a real gutsy horse, and he used to do it the hard way up front most of his yeah. wins. But, uh, you know, it was a beautiful specimen. I think he's going to make a top stallion. Mm. So, you know, we just want to wait and see now how what his foals look like. Right. And has he got his first crop on the ground? They should be coming this, this, this uh, season. Yeah, I see. No, in the, in yeah. the spring of this year, yeah, his first spring, crop. Yeah, they'll, they'll be dropping, yep. You had another Victoria Derby place getter, a horse called Precedo, who ran second to line tamer in the Blue Reband at Flemington. Now, just to give you an idea, Dave, of what an honest horse can do, as far as prize money is concerned. Precedo won only three races, but he was around the money in several group races and he finished up winning almost $700,000. It's amazing, isn't it? Definitely. And he was a cheap little horse by a very mediocre sire. Mm. And it's a funny story because we went over there to Bicentennial Park's full brother mm. uh, and we looked at him and we loved him and – now, John doesn't spend uh, big money on horses. He doesn't believe in it. Mm. And I think he went to about 350000 for the brother. Mm. He eventually went for four hundred. Mm. Anyway, I said to him, look, there's a, love, there's a horse around the corner. He's, he just, he's a real athlete, you know. Anyway, we walk, I showed him him and he said, all right. And, and that was Presida. He was by, oh, God, I can't remember. Mm. The, the stallion, he was a very mediocre stallion. I can't and, yeah. And, and we, we brought him home and uh, that's, that was Posito. Mm. He wasn't a great horse, but he's so honest. You know where he is now, David? Yes, he's uh, with one of the part owners in, 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 in the paddock, just running around. I think he's at, at a property owned by former champion trainer Bobby Thompson. That's right, yeah. Phil Morley's put him there. That's yeah. correct. That's Bob's correct. got him on his little property at Arcadia. That's right, correct, yeah. So, so, you know, in an era where people are concerned about the welfare of horses when their racing days are over, there is yet another example of a former uh, thoroughbred uh, who's really landed on his feet. 
That's right. Yeah, he's having a good a, a good laugh. Now, Masquerader was handy for you. He won a Group 2 Todman. He ran third in a Caulfield Guineas, and then he was sold to Hong Kong. Now, this Hong Kong market has become the nightmare, hasn't it, of Australian yeah. trainers who've got a good horse in the stable. Definitely, because, the, you know, the money they offer you, it's uh, it, it's frightening. So, you know, I'll just give you an example, John. We had a horse that I named Chimbora after the horse I rode the July one on, mm-hmm. uh, bought him for 80000 at the classic sale. I couldn't put him together, so I went back to the breeder. I said, will you keep half and I'll put him together? Mm-hmm. So anyway, we he, they agreed, and I ran him uh, at four times. He ran last, his first run. Then he was placed in, in maiden races, and I ran him in the uh, champagne, and he ran second mm. to that good horse uh, of uh, James Cummings. He ended up winning the derby, uh, more than red horse. Anyway, mm. after he ran, we get a phone call from Hong Kong. Uh, we want to buy this horse. So they said, what do you want for it? So I said, two million. <laughs> anyway, yeah. they said, oh, no, too much. Anyway. After a bit of haggling, we sold him for 1.4 million a maiden to Hong Kong. Yeah, went to Hong Kong. He never won a race. Oh, died a maiden. Yeah, shows doesn't, you. Yeah, doesn't yeah. it? Doesn't it? Yeah, they got money that the Chinese oh. money to burn <laughs> for sure. <laughs> now, special tribute to the Gallant Criterion, one of the best horses you've ever trained. Yes, yes. You had the good fortune to train him for the first half of his career before he set off on several overseas stints. Now, you won five races with Criterion, including a Black Opal, a Todman Stakes, a Rose Hill Guineas, and an Australian Derby. He was by Sebring. David, what a class act he was. He was in such a versatile horse. And, and, and as you know, he... He was a rig, and he, and he had a club foot. So, you know, when you're picking horses and you say, oh, you know, he's got a club foot, don't touch him, mm. it doesn't always work. It shows you. I mean, he's a type of horse that you might not have bought, you know, on, 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 conf- on confirmation. Mm. But uh, from, from day one, he showed us that he had the ability. You started him in the Cox Plate on one occasion, the, the one won by a horse called Adelaide. He ran seventh, he was only beaten a length, and he had an awful run in the race. If there was anything to go wrong, it went wrong. That's correct, yes. Uh, James McDonald, uh, Huey, unfortunately, uh, was uh, suspended. Mm-hmm. So I gave James a ride, and not James's fault. I mean, he's a great rider, but he didn't really know the horse, and he missed the break. Mm-hmm. And after that, he was in trouble from, from the start. Yeah, and he like us, he like you say, he only got beat a length, and he should have won it because I've never had him better on the day, mm. but just never went to plan. He went to Hayes and Dabernig the following autumn. Uh, they took him to Hong Kong a few times. He even had a start at Royal Ascot. He wasn't able to win any of those. Back in Australia, he did eventually win another two Group Ones and finished up with about seven million dollars in prize money. You certainly did your job with Criterion. Yeah, no, look, uh, you know, it, it was fortunate that he came along at that time and, uh, you know, you, you always got to be thankful that, that you can get horses like that in your stable. 
nature, uh, David. He appeared to be a very sensible horse. Yeah, never cultish, gave no no problem at the races. He was always calm, uh, a lovely horse to train. Just pause to clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with you, David, after this. Sunday, July the 5th will be a unique day in the long history of Inglis when two major sales come together as traditional physical auctions at the world-class Riverside Complex at Warwick Farm. At 10am sharp, Easter Round 2 will get underway with 94 outstanding lots by world-class stallions like Brazen Bow, Deepfield, Dundeal, Exceed and Excel, Not a Single Doubt, Fastnet Rock, Frankel, I Am Invincible, Lonro, Schnitzel, Piero, and So You Think, with first season sires like American Pharaoh and Capitalist represented. Inglis have decided to bring the famous scone sale to Riverside this year with a catalogue of 156 lots. This auction will begin immediately after Easter Round 2 concludes. All horses will be at Riverside from Thursday, July 2nd for your inspection. Who would have thought the famous Easter sale would have a winter session? Who would have dreamed the popular scone sale would come to town? Inglis have taken extraordinary steps to accommodate vendors and buyers in extraordinary times. It's really happening. Easter Round 2 and the scone sale together under the same roof on Sunday, July 5th. A quick look at a couple of promising horses you've got in the stable currently. Now, one of them has just gone to the paddock, Costello. Uh, very impressive in winning at Rose Hill recently. That was his fourth win. And he he looks a good staying prospect, doesn't he, from this point yeah. on? Yeah, he does. Uh, you know, he carries 61 and a half, uh, over 2,400, you know, and it's quite a lot of weight to lump around. Mm. Uh, I don't think we've seen the best of him. Uh, as a young horse, I thought I'd win a derby with him. Did you? And yeah, he he ran on the uh, the Ranwick Derby, and I and the winner won by about five lengths, and I think we were beating two lengths for second place. Mm. And he was still immature, and I think uh, next preparation we might see the best of him. Mm. No problems. No, tough as nails, tough as nails. He chimed in uh, when he won that race at Rose Hill recently, and I thought he showed a pretty good turn of foot. Yes, he, he always had a good turn of foot. Ta Anglin rode his first uh, when he won his first race at Hawkesbury, mm-hmm. and he got off and he said to me, "He could be something special." Did he? He won. He won in a canter. Mm. Yeah, Ta rode him, and he, he was he was spot on. Mm-hmm. Well, there are two uh, jockey uh, predictions that you've mentioned during our podcast. Ty Anglin thought a lot of Costello after a Hawkesbury win. And Corey Brown thought Dante's Paradiso was a superstar. That's correct, yep. Not all jockeys uh, can boast similar judgment, though, can they? No, most jockeys are very poor judges. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Dave, you trained uh, Costello's half-sister, French Fern, won races with her too. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And and a horse called Be Like That, they were out of the same mare. Ah. Yeah. A very good family. Now, a couple of your current team worth a mention. You've got one there called Bazooka, and you've got a horse called Crown Affair, who won a maiden at Wyong recently by a massive margin. I think it was about eight lengths. He's raced since, hasn't he? 
Yes, he has. He but he raced unfortunately on a heavy nine, which he he he, he couldn't handle. Right. So, so we ignore I, that. I think you you can ignore that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't win maidens by eight lengths if they're mediocre horses. Yeah. Yeah. You 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 you'd expect them to be better than me, me mediocre for sure. Yeah. Now Bazooka is very lightly raced. Uh, an impressive win at Warwick Farm before going for a spell, and this was a real cheapie at the English Scone Sale, fourteen thousand dollars. Yeah, I just liked him as a type and the way he walked. He was a bit, bit small at the time we bought him, and I think that's why we got him so cheap. But uh, the form coming out of that race looks quite strong, so we we, we could have a handy horse on our hands. Now you've got a filly on your books by the name of Montefilia. She's by Kermadec, who was a Group 1 winner. Uh, this filly, and you're really taking your time with her, she's a two-year-old. She won a Newcastle two-year-old, and then she ran fourth in a Group 3 at Rose Hill during the Autumn Carnival, and then you opened the gate and tipped her out, and you've yep. got a good long-term uh, prediction for her, haven't you? Yes, uh, John. I think she could be my Oaks filly. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, it doesn't always work that way. These owners wanted an Oaks filly, and uh, they actually took me to her and said, "What do you think of her?" And I said, "Gee, she's smart filly, you know, lovely filly." So we mm-hmm. paid one thirty for her, yep. and she's just the most beautiful mover. Mm-hmm. And uh, stamina, you, you, you see on the damn side, she, she's out of a monsoon mare. And she should be, I mean, she'll only appreciate it once she gets over 1,600 plus. Mm. How long will she be out? She's just, she's just come back. So okay. I've just got to qualify her now for the Oaks. Uh, the, uh, I'd, I'd like to go for the Victoria Vic- Oaks. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, that's the plan. Yeah. She mature looking filly? Yeah. Lovely big filly. She looks like a stayer. If yeah. you look at her, she doesn't carry a lot of condition, but yeah. her, it's a very smooth action. It doesn't look babyish at all. No, no, not at all, no. Hmm. Now, Dave, you were very supportive of the great Jeff Lloyd when he made the move to Sydney in 2008. In fact, I can hear him saying it now. Thank goodness David Payne's here. Uh, (laughs) Jeff, of course, had a spectacular career in South Africa. You put him on his first Sydney winner, Vecchia Roma, and it meant a lot to him at the time. Yeah, definitely. You know, Jeff and I go back a long, long way. He rode. He was my stable rider in uh, South Africa. I always thought he's the best jockey that's ridden for, for, for me in his prime. Mm. And when he came here, you know, we, I just felt obliged to get him on his way because he had an, uh, he's got a very unorthodox style. So mm. I don't think a lot of trainers would have put him on. You know. So no, that, you, yeah. you thought his style had changed a little, though, didn't you, by the time he got to yeah, Sydney? Yeah, de- definitely. I said to him, Jeff, what are you bouncing in the saddle for? So he said, <laughs> it's very effective. So I said, well, don't do it on my horses, yeah. <laughs> Well, David, uh, you know, call the style whatever you will. Yeah. Wasn't he hard to get past? Gee, yeah, I mean, he's a great rider. You oh, know, yeah. you, you, the, the record book speaks for itself. Exactly. Well, yes. uh, the record book clearly illustrates that in a 41-year career, he rode, listen to this, 5,500 winners, 94 yep. Group 1s, and in winning the 2017 
18 premiership in Brisbane, he became the oldest man in history to win a metropolitan premiership in Australia. <laughs> what Jeez. a record. Yeah, and you would not meet a more determined man than Jeff. Really? I mean, he sets his mind to something. And uh, he, John, to be honest, he was the most wonderful jockey to work with. Mm. He took so much care of your horses. Yeah, very professional. Yeah, so if one was well and truly beaten, he wouldn't be knocking the spots off it. No, and, and another thing, if you had a good colt or he'd come every day and ride it and, and work, you know, he, he wouldn't leave it by chance. Mm. No, and a lot of jockeys should take a, a leaf out of his book, the way he works, hard worker. Mm. You know, he turns up every day. Now, his sons, Zach and Jaden, are both jockeys in Victoria, so he's got a keen interest in watching the Victorian races every day. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what he said to me. He said that that's going to be his job from now on to make sure his sons are a success. Mm. David, uh, let me reflect on something you said to me. In August of 2007, the first evidence of the dreaded equine influenza had just made its presence felt in Sydney. The racing lockdown had begun. Uh, I really don't think Australian trainers at that stage realised quite how severe it was going to be. You'd been through it before in South Africa some years earlier and you said to me one day at your stables at Randwick, brace yourself for one of the most horrible things that can ever happen in the racing industry. He said this is much worse than Australian trainers realise, how right you were. Yeah, that's correct. You know, I'd been through it in South Africa and when I arrived in Australia, we were at the uh, stables one morning and my foreman said to me, oh, they've got the, apparently there's an equine flu case over at Centennial Park. Mm. So I said, are you sure? They said, no, definitely. Mm. So I said, all right, take the saddles off, let them walk. So he said, why? I said, because they're all going to be sick tomorrow or the next day. Mm. And... Uh, Within, a, within 24 hours, I think most of the stables at Randwick had uh, contacted the flu. Yep. That's how, they, 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 that's how strong it was. You know, they, the horses weren't immune to it and they were just going down like flies. It was so virulent. And if one horse got it in your stable or the bloke next door, you knew every horse in that yep. stable uh, was going to catch it. It was inescapable. Yeah, for sure. And... Uh, the same thing happened in South Africa. The only horses that weren't affected was the imported horses that had been vaccinated overseas. Mm. They they seemed to be fine. The rest, everyone got it. I don't know that it proved fatal uh, to any horse of any breed in this country, but they all had runny noses, some worse than others, and they all had the most racking, insidious cough. Yeah, and a couple of them always at high temperatures, so you'd add to temperature them every day and, you know, give them a little bit of butte to bring the temperatures down. Mm. It affected some horses more more than others. Yes, yeah. But uh, if you looked after them, they, they, they all got over it all right. Mm. You know? And they were probably back in, in full training within three months, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And mm. I had the advantage of being through it, so I had my horses ready up and running and uh, we were actually cleaning up that <laughs> couple of months after that, so mm. we, we, we were fortunate. So a lot of the trainers were more careful, 
Mm. You know, they were going to give an extra time. So we we took advantage of it and uh, Jeff and I, we were having a ball. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's been a great ride, hasn't it, from the, the day you first saw a thoroughbred as you walked past Grayville Racecourse on your way to school. Must seem like yesterday. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and John, I must mention another thing. When I gave up riding, I was offered a job as a stipendary steward by that steward that took me in, you know, under, under his wing. At Marion Hill. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I remember when they offered me the job and I said, no, look, I want to be a trainer. And they said, are you crazy? <laughs> uh, then you go and try your hand at it and then you can come back and take the job. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, that's, so that's, thank yeah. God I, I followed my dream. I got a feeling you'll have a few horses around you for some time yet. Yeah, look, I've just cut down, but uh, I'll never get out of the game. It's in my blood. I love, I love the animals, and, uh, and and I'm still competitive. So, you know, we and I and, and I'm still ambitious, believe it or not. Mm. So we're still trying to win that big one. Well, just keep this in the back of your mind, Dave. On the odd day when the wind's howling and the rain's tumbling down, and you think, "What am I doing here at my age?" Just remember this: Bart Cummings was eighty-one when he trained his 12th Melbourne Cup winner. Gee, yeah, that, that is incredible. Incredible. <laughs> but that, that's Bart Cummings. <laughs> Great man. He certainly was. Well, you're the Bart yeah. Cummings of South Africa, David. And uh, it's been, that's uh, a nice compliment. Thank you. Thanks, John. It's been uh, great having you in Australia and it's been even greater having you on uh, this week's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress.